Well, we're in our final week on our series of relationships, specifically dealing with conflict. Two weeks ago, we read a story about Mary and Martha, two sisters. They had very different personalities, and they had expectations on each other that maybe were not the same, and so there was some conflict, broken relationship there that needed some, some healing, and, and Jesus fixed that. Well, then uh, last week we read a story of David and Saul and looked at the idea of God's timing as well as the need for forgiveness and reconciliation and moving forward, also very important in our relationships. Well, all that's, uh, all that's good, but there's, there's another issue, though. When I look around, and I know a lot of you, I, I don't know everyone here uh, well enough, but the ones that I know, I, you don't cause any conflict. Yeah, every, everyone here is, is perfect. All you online joining us, yeah, I don't think that you would ever start any conflict. And so uh, um, how do we deal with that kind of conflict? You know, the conflict that it's actually not from you, it's, it's from the people around you. Or maybe you made a mistake two weeks ago, six months ago, 30 years ago. You made a mistake, and today you're still... Uh, living through that conflict. That's the story that we're going to be reading today, Uh, a story of conflict not so much caused by the person, but by the past and people around him. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, We're going to read about a man named Abram, who later becomes Abraham. We all, um, most of us probably know him as Abraham, Father Abraham, but uh, but in this story, he's Abram, so I might slip up and call him Abram, uh, Abraham, same person. All right, so Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, we see the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Very specific instructions here. Just reading these instructions out loud, breaking them down, I can see there's a few different things here. Go from your country. You have to leave. Go from your people, specifically your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I'm emphasizing these instructions because you'll see as we read through the story how important those instructions actually were. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, so far so good, and I'm, I'm emphasizing this, Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, Abram's 75. He's asked to leave the place that he's lived. He's asked to travel uh, and, and go somewhere else. And for safety reasons and for hunting reasons and for building shelter, it only makes sense that the 75-year-old would take his nephew, who was likely much stronger, and would have been able to, um, to help, at least. I mean, at minimum, he's got another set of hands. It's logical, but it wasn't what God asked him to do. Specifically, he said, leave your people, your father's household. Lot was in his father's household. So we go on in this story. I'm going to skip through some stuff here because Genesis 13 is where we're going to spend more time. But verses 5 through 9, everything seems to go okay. But then verse 10, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live 
there for a while because the famine was severe. Back to the specific instructions that God asked him to do. Leave your country, from your country, to the land I will show you. Did God ever tell him, when things get challenging, take a detour, go stop somewhere else? No. So, what happens? It's logical, but it wasn't what God asked him to do. Verses 11 through 20, I'm not going to read it all, but Abram felt the need to lie uh, and have his wife uh, Sarai lie and, uh, for his safety, to put, but it put her and the Egyptians at risk. So the first conflict that we see here is because of something that he did not do uh, in, in uh, listening to God, a lack of obedience. Now, he actually does the same thing later. Uh, I think it's chapter 20. I'm not, I, I actually don't have that in front of me, but, but at this point... From chapter 12 to chapter 13, there seems to be a turning point. And, and I mentioned that he does it later because that's kind of how life is. We, we're on our journey and we make mistakes and there's consequences. And, and so then we start to do things maybe the right way and then we forget. We forget the consequences and maybe we make a, a mistake again down the road. And that's what happens. But for right now, at this point, uh, in this part of the story, in chapters 12 and 13, uh, we see that Abram begins to trust God. Now, we know that he trusted God because he left his home and he was going out to a land that he didn't know, and, uh, but specifically, he starts to be a little more obedient with what God asks of him. And so, the conflict today. Chapter 12, Abram messes up, there's consequences. Chapter 13, we haven't read it yet, we will. Abram doesn't make mistakes that we read about, but there's still conflict. See, now he's living through conflict because of a past mistake. That's probably where a lot of us are. Doesn't mean that we don't ever mess up, but a lot of our problems, a lot of our broken relationships, a lot of our conflict is not because of us. It's because of our past, and it's because of others. See, like when I come to work, I, I don't cause any problems at all, um, but Colin and Amy, uh, I mean, it's rough. They, all day, every day, there's so much conflict, and no, not really, but, but isn't that the case, though, at times? Uh, we might be fine at home, but maybe our kids, our spouse, maybe there's some conflict there. We might be fine at work, but maybe our coworkers aren't. We might be fine at church. Well, no one, no, there's never a conflict at church, but you, you get the idea. It's not always us, but we still have to live through it. We might have to do something about it. That's what Abram does. We'll read, uh, starting in chapter 13, how he dealt with this conflict. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. So obviously, there's, uh, he's still with him. He hasn't left, not a new uh, act of disobedience. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to, to Bethel, the to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. So at this point, Abram is following God. He appears to be blessed, and he's worshiping. Things seem to be going pretty well. Verse 5, But Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Now remember the specific instructions from chapter 12, verse 1 of leaving. And he, did, he took Lot with him. Well, here's the consequence. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. It's almost like God knew what he was asking him to do. Go, leave them. Okay, you didn't. Now guess what? 
you're dealing with a consequence. Verse 7, here it is. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. Again, not Abram, not something that's bothering him, but he's living in the midst of it. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abram chose to be a peacemaker. That's, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Abram, the older one, the leader, could have done what he wanted. He could have uh, kept them together and said they can figure it out on their own. It's not my problem. Maybe we do that. He could have said, hey, we're going to separate, and I'm going to take this good land, and uh, you go over there. How would that have gone? Maybe a, maybe a civil war. I don't, I don't know what would have happened. But because Abram both was content, he was content with wherever he was. Uh, we read later about in the New Testament about Paul being content in all situations. Abram seemed to be content in all situations. And because of his trust for God, remember Abram was, was promised a blessing. He knew that this land was going to be his. But I'd, I'd like to make peace. I don't care about the, the land. I don't care about the possession. I care about the people. And so he, he makes peace because of his trust in God. Had he not been content, had he not trusted God, I don't think it would have happened. So going on, let's see what, how it plays out. Verse 10, Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched the tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So Lot picked the better land, even though there was a lot of wickedness. Lot picked the, the land that looked good, but there was opportunities for sin. There was a lot of temptation. You can learn a lot about people by the decisions they make. See, I can tell you what my values are. I can say that I value people, I value family, I value the church, I value God. Don't listen to me making statements on what my values are. Watch how I live. Yeah, people can talk, but watch how they live. Watch, watch the decisions they make. Do they really value what they say they value? What did Lot value here? Well, he valued the, the, value, the, the better land. I would say probably now the more valuable land, but, um, but a little bit different then. But what matters to us is revealed through our decisions. You can talk all you want. People can watch and see what decisions you make. This, this mattered here in this, in this opportunity, in this story. Um, this matters today. We can tell people who are, who are not a part of the church, who are not a part of, of the kingdom of God, who don't understand Christianity and, and what it means to be saved. We can tell them what we value, but when they watch us live, do they, do they believe it or not? Our faith leads to our motivations. Our motivations, our thought processes, and, and, uh, and without faith, then we have idolatry. And, and then we, when we don't trust God, when we're not content, it's dangerous because we start to make decisions that are about us, not about others, not about God. 
Let's see how it played out. Finishing the story, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Abram trusted God. He, he didn't take the best land. He, he wanted peace. And so what, what did God do? He blessed him. He reminded him of the promise. He said, all this is yours still, the north and the south, the east and the west. Abram trusted God. He put people first. He was blessed the most. And you notice the big difference is in chapter 12 and 13. The same person. It's not like he was a saint and did everything perfect. He made mistakes too. But from chapter 12, we see that when he put himself first, others were worse off. And Abram was not blessed. So when I put myself first, others are worse off. And I'm not blessed. When you put yourself first, look at the consequences of those around you. And really decide, do you really feel blessed? But in chapter 13, when God was first, others were better off, and yet he was still blessed. If we would put God first in our decisions, and and look at this, this, it's this applicable story uh, that he wasn't just talking about it, he lived it out. He showed what he valued, and he was blessed. Now, there's a lot in this this, uh, story. chapters 12 and 13, and actually just read the whole book of Genesis. There's so much. Read the whole Bible. So let's, let's just do all that anyway. Um, but in this specific story, uh, there's a lot of, I think, application. Now, I don't want to go through everything, but there are a few main ideas that really come out of this, or that stick out of this to me. Uh, the first one is that, that we see that having a lot isn't always better. Uh, not a lot like his nephew, but having a lot of possessions, having a lot of money. We always think that, that more is better. And, and, and you know, it's, it's not a, it's, I think it's neutral. I'm not saying that money is bad or, or possessions are bad in themselves, but where is our heart? Is that what we're living for? Because when, when that's what we live for, then there's also more problems. There's also more emptiness. Abram knew what mattered most, people over possessions. We see the need uh, to value the people and really do it. There's a, there was a story I read. Uh, an evolutionary biologist at Purdue University studied chickens. And uh, actually, we're kind of like chickens, people. Um, uh, we don't want to be called a chicken, but we kind of live just like them. He was interested in, interested in productivity, and, and I think it's something that matters a lot to us. And so he measured chickens because it's a lot easier because all you do is count the eggs. Um, you see who's most productive. Well, he wanted to know what could make his chickens more productive, so he devised an experiment. Now, chickens live in groups, so first he just selected an average flock and left it alone for six generations. But then he created a second group of the individually most productive chickens. It was called his super flock. And each generation, he only picked the most productive for, for breeding. And after six generations had passed, what was the results? Well, the first group, the average group, they were doing fine. They were plump, they were fully feathered, and their egg production had increased dramatically. But the second group, all but three were dead. Those three pecked the rest to death. They were so focused on productivity and not those around them. Maybe we're doing that. Maybe we're not maybe physically, but spiritually and emotionally killing people around us because we're so focused on productivity, so focused on our goals and not on others. 
from this, this story, we see that the grass is not always greener. Uh, only if I get to this point in my life, things will be great. Only if I, if I get this job or, or um, marry this person or make this much money, live in this house, things will be great. And then you get there and only when, now when I get this house or make this much money, a new number, only if I go there, everything will be all better. The grass is not always greener. People have learned this the hard way over time. We see the need to be content. If, Ab- if Abram were not content, this the story would not have gone this way. But we see it, his contentment played out, not in what he said, but in how he lived. But all these are only byproducts of our faith. And we don't need to, to get a, a book um, on a self-help help book on dealing with conflict. We don't need to, uh, to come up with a, a checklist of things we should do uh, to try to make everything better. Uh, we have the Bible, and we have a story that shows us exactly how to deal with conflict and how Abram did, and he simply trusted God. Everything else fell into place. So in just a, a few minutes, um, or whenever I decide to stop talking, uh, we're going to uh, leave by taking communion on our way out. And you'll have an opportunity for offering. And, and these, are, these are ways that we show our trust and our contentment. Uh, if you're joining us online, there'll be a chance. Uh, you can take communion at home. Um, and if you'd like to give back to God through the local church, uh, check out our website and click the Give tab, and you'll see ways to do that. Uh, but even, even more, not so much what we do, but why. Why do we do this every single week? These are reminders that we trust God both the communion of what he's done for us and, and the offering of what we, can, what we can do by being a part of this kingdom. Reminders of our need for, for Jesus, for a Savior, that I can't do this on my own. I can't earn my way into heaven, but I don't even need to try because he's done it for me. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If we would, we would put our faith and trust in him as our Savior, then we have the, the hope and the promise of everlasting life. See, because... We have an example. Jesus knew that God would raise him up. This is, this is the cornerstone of our faith. If I didn't believe this, I wouldn't read Genesis or anywhere else in the Bible. I, I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't believe that God raised Jesus from, from the dead, if I didn't believe that God was powerful, then what would be the point? But Jesus knew it, or he wouldn't have put himself in a, in a, in a place to be executed. Jesus would not have taken our place on the cross. I don't believe anyone would if he knew that he was going to die uh, and not be raised from, from, the, uh, from the grave. Maybe, maybe he would have, but we don't have to question that or, or start to wonder what's next because Jesus proved that God would raise him from the dead when it happened. We too have that same hope. Knowing that God will raise us from the dead if we put our trust in him gives us the, the hope and the example, and in the way to live a life uh, of fulfillment. And so Jesus, uh, he told his followers, if you believe this, if you believe that you, uh, if you put your, your faith in me, that you will be raised to new life, that you will have um, eternity in heaven with me, if you believe this, all right, here's what you do. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
Abram had to answer that same question. Is this about following God and being obedient? Is this about uh, making my, my own blessing? Or am I going to trust that when God tells me I'm blessed, he's going to bless me? Am I going to trust that he's going to follow through with his promises? See, Abram was kind of, he didn't have the same opportunity that we did because he didn't see Jesus rise from the grave. Uh, he, he simply, by faith, we read in Hebrews 11, by faith he lived that way, he trusted God. Well, not only do we have that, those stories, but we have Jesus dead and buried and brought back to life. The, the power of the Holy Spirit that, that lives in us, the same promise is there, everlasting life if we too would put our faith in Jesus. So we have this example, we have this better way, and we have it because of the love of God. What better example and what better hope? Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. Uh, thank you so much for giving us an example. Thank you for the, the Bible that we can read through and, and, and see uh, how we can go through life, specifically today how we can live, live uh, among conflict and, and uh, in broken relationships, and, and you've given us everything we need. So uh, I pray that we would continue to seek your, your word and, and, uh, and, and start to put it in our hearts and on our minds so that when the time comes, we'll know how to uh, best follow you. I thank you that uh, mostly that you gave us Jesus uh, without, without showing us that love and without showing us your power, um, I, I just don't think it would be the same. Uh, but you, you did show us, and, and for that we can trust you. And so I pray that our hearts and minds are open as we move forward in our lives, uh, both for our time here, but also with the hope of eternity in mind. Thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray. Amen.